Podcast number three, dealing with 1984. We're surrounded by lots of notes and lots of pictures, and we're going to try and be as erudite as possible. Try. This morning we're going to talk about verbal and nonverbal language. I always throw to you, Kelly Bowers, (laughs) when I dry up of what I'm meant to be saying. So, shall we start with verbal language? I think so. So, what is verbal language? So, verbal language is a combination of the actors and what they say on stage and also voices off, so voices that come over the speakers. So anything that comes out of a human mouth, is that verbal language? I think so. Rightio. First of all, can we talk about the use of repetition in verbal language? Okay, so there are certain phrases that are repeated quite a lot. They talk about newspeak, they talk about erasing people, delete, delete delete. They talk about censorship and people becoming unpersoned. So there's a whole language that is particularly crafted for 1984 and for the political system known as Big Brother. So they keep repeating these things and what is the point of that? The total repetition or the using of the language that's being created. What is the point for us as an audience member? I think it's to the audience to understand that these people have been brainwashed completely, that they live in a totalitarian society where there is a particular set of rules that everyone has to adhere to, including the use of those certain terms so that they all conform. So it's indoctrinated, so it's almost rote learning, so Mm -hmm. it's almost a default memory and that's where the repetition comes in. And a big part of that is because the whole concept of Big Brother is to change people's thoughts. And if you don't change their thoughts, they become a thought criminal. There's a good example of when they have the two minutes of hate. And in in the scene, all of the characters come out on stage. They're standing in front of chairs. It's all very uh, ritualised. And they they chant and say how much they hate this thought criminal, which is projected, their image is projected behind them. And when they're chanting, are they chanting in a rhythm together or is it an off rhythm? Are they chanting as unified individuals? They chant as an off rhythm because the idea is that they use similar words, but it shows that they are individuals all working within the system. Ah, no, that's really important. Mm. And so it becomes almost like a heckling, a shouting, mm-hmm. um, this huge volume. Is it almost that they're trying to impress upon Big Brother that they are more, I was going to say gooder, but that's not necessarily a word, is it? No, you're right. They're trying to convince Big Brother that they believe, that they are true believers. And this is important because in this particular scene, O'Brien is standing behind them still and watching them, surveilling them and seeing if they will conform to this two minutes of hate. And we know Winston doesn't like it. However, he does stand in. In fact, he stands on the chair to do it, to show he's even more vigorously into it, which actually we secretly know that he is not. So it becomes this duel, and it's a duel, duel, so there's two sides of it. Mm. So not only are they fighting to um, celebrate the um, torturing of this person, but also they're fighting to show how much into it they are, how honest they are, how in support of the surveillance state they are. Absolutely, and that's all based on fear. They're terrified of being 
being caught out to think something individual. They so must the louder have group they are, think, group yeah. think. So, so it works on the whole idea of the volume as well. The louder and more mm-hmm. intuitive and the more fervent they are, the more they are seen to um, support the regime. Absolutely. And it brings to mind, especially at the moment because we're going through all the the voting in the United States, about how you have these rallies mm. and these people in these fervours shouting and yelling and supporting or doing what they think they should be Absolutely. Doing. And those terms that they you know, t- talk about um, that are n- now known as Trumpisms, his, the, his pe- the people that support him all repeat those phrases, just like in Big Brother. Just like in 1984. That would exactly. be a really good thing to use. Yeah. Now, another verbal use of language that I found interesting was the use of song. And I referenced it in the beginning of the podcast again when the little girl sings the nursery rhyme. Oranges and lemons says the bells of St. Clemens. Do we know where that nursery rhyme comes from? Uh, Well, that's an English nursery rhyme. And what's interesting about that is at the very end, it sounds very innocent. But in fact, at the very end, it says, and along comes a chopper and chops off her head. So it is actually, uh, has a, a big threat of violence, although the young female actor that is playing the girl that is often seen in the, the um, canteen with Winston, she is singing it and appears innocent, and she's not. In fact, she's the one who rats on Winston and finds his diary. And it's interesting because our initial association with the kind of angelic voice, although to me it's quite creepy, mm. and the use of a, a nursery rhyme, mm. but the malice that it holds. And then it also shows you that perhaps we've given up because the future, because, you know, you'd always talk about the children being the young generation. Well, the young generation are completely indoctrinated now. So there is no point. Is this what our future holds? Yeah, that's right. So that's that's what the directors are trying to make the audience question, really, isn't it? Anything else in regards to verbal language in particular? We've talked about the use of the song, the repetition, the use of volume. I think, you know, contrast of volume compared to the two minutes of hate is that when Winston is writing, at the very first scene, he's writing in his diary and looking around. It's actually voices off, so he's not saying it. It's something that uh, he's speaking, but we can... As if the audience can hear what he's thinking. Um, voice is voices off. It's been pre-recorded whilst he's writing it. So that's quite an interesting use of of language, spoken verbal language. Thought. Spoken thought. Yeah. However, it's pre-recorded, so it's not at the time that he's saying it. And also, do they have accents? They all had English accents. Now, why that's important is, I suppose, it's a reference to... George Orwell, who wrote the play in the first place. And maybe also a lot of them were English actors because it was a travelling performance as well. Some of them were. Some of them were Australian. One of them was uh, Kiwi. Um, but they all, But you're right, the performance itself had been uh, English in origin. Now, the flip side of verbal language is non-verbal language. And so that's anything which communicates to us, but it's not spoken. Mm-hmm. And there's lots and lots of things that can be. Um, And I guess we have to be careful where you draw the line with it. Mm. So first of all, we're going to look at the use of the techniques for nonverbal language. What I think, interestingly, is the use of gesture, first of all. We were talking about that scene where there's that two minutes of hate, where they're standing on the chairs, and then they've got their fists and they're using their fists in the air. If you can see me now, I'm actually doing it. <laughs> it's a really well-known gesture. She's looking righteous. Um, and it's that whole sign. It's like that 
fist of communism. But we did a little bit of research on that, and they're called symbolic gestures. So they're gestures that need very little communication because the audience understands them. I guess you can think of your one finger salute with those as well, exactly. or the drawing across your neck like you're slitting your throat. It's universally um, accepted and understood uh, gestures. Yeah. And the research that we did in it showed us that those symbolic gestures. So I'm thinking that the fists when they're standing and they're in that furor of talking about the thought criminal, it communicates a really strong message or strong verbal communication non-verbal communication when the distance or the noise re renders vocal communication impossible so they're yelling and yelling and it becomes this great big soup of noise but you can see the fist so you understand what is the intent absolutely and what they're trying to communicate with that fist is to show that as individuals they're all united in towing the line and showing the belief in Big Brother. That's very important, isn't it? That's, mm. that's a really interesting thing. And I can you can see that all throughout now with the, was it the Nazi symbol, the use of Absolutely. the Nazi sign? Yeah. Or there's all sorts of different signs or communications that people use to connect themselves to groups. I even think of like hip-hop groups. Absolutely. You know, they've got the, you know, the West royal side, family, the stories. use of the crown. Yeah, or, yeah West Side, yeah. South Side. Yeah. All symbolic gestures. Yeah. Something else that's quite important is the use of prosemics, so your spatial awareness. And a good example of that, again, in the same scene you can you guys can talk about, is that uh, O'Brien in the Two Minutes of a Hate stands can sit right upstage um, and the rest of the actors are right on the edge of downstage. And he stays away to show his ubiquitous authority to show that he is completely in charge and he's very still and he's watching. central a central figure watching yeah always watching but then interesting in regards to that prismix in that scene and this with the picture that we're looking at which again is in your guys resource book is that um you have winston stand sorry winston wilson standing on the chair mm. so he's risen himself higher so it's like mm. i'm even though we know that he doesn't believe with the re, in the regime he's trying to show it more yeah he's you know i'm 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 so and by using that higher level he's actually he's trying to indicate to o'brien believe me believe me i you know i'm i'm fully complicit in this however we know that he's not so by almost by doing something out of out of ordinary from the rest of the group uh, he shows himself to be. Uh, that's true. You know, he shows himself to, to actually not believe it at all. And that's a tell. It's a subtle tell that the audience can understand, but that perhaps O'Brien would misinterpret. I also like, in regards to the prosemics, it can connect up to the direction, especially in the beginning where you've got those glitches in the matrix. Mm, mm -hmm. And so the prosemics slightly change with the direction in each of the iterations of the scene. And a good example of that is in the canteen or library scene where all of the actors are seated around, or most of them are seated around the table, and they're having cups of tea. And there are a variety, it's sort of a sequence of actions that they that they have, non-verbal actions, sweeping, picking up the cup of tea, cleaning the table, cleaning the table uh, moving the trolley, and all of these things are repeated at different points through the performance. At the beginning, they're in sync, and gradually they become like glitches in the system where they're not in sync, where the cup goes 
gets placed further out in the ear, not actually on the table. And it's very clear to the audience that something is awry, something is strange. And I don't know about you, but it certainly made me think that the the sense of time or something was going wrong, a little bit like the Matrix movie, certainly like computer glitches, and I'm sure that was intentional. It made me doubt what was real. Yes, exactly. And I think that's a really interesting point. Particularly when Winston actually says as a quote, truth matters, what's real matters. And knowing what's real, even nowadays, and that again has come back in our previous podcast, Mm -hmm. what's real, what's fake? Exactly. What are we fed to believe and what is really the truth? Absolutely. Um, Eye contact. Oh, yes. Eye contact's a really great non-verbal language communicator. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Again, with O'Brien at the beginning, in fact, periodically through the performance, we see O'Brien behind the glass window. Watching. Watching always. And he is, again, upstage, but has a very strong direct eye contact with Winston. Winston can't see him, though. So he's always being watched and kind of aware of it, but not fully. And we're watching O'Brien watching Winston. Winston, yeah. And that is interesting because a lot of the time we try and think, well, who is Big Brother? Is Big Brother a person? Is O'Brien Big Brother? But then we're watching him, so maybe... Maybe we're we're Big Big Brother. Brother. And, yeah, what is Big Brother but a decision to believe in the same thing, really, Mm. and oppress others? Non-verbal communication, projections. Talk to me about the written word, because that was all through it. It really was, wasn't it? Um, I mean, there was so much, for example, again, in the hate scene, you can talk about massive, uh, big, bold, white writing, which was projected up in front of the image of the, the guy who had obviously done something wrong, and it said, thought criminal. There were a variety... A variety of images, projected images like that, all the way through. So it was completely unambiguous as to what Big Brother thinks. It was there, written up for all to see. Another interesting moment was when Winston is actually in the in the censorship office, and on the screen is projected a range of numbers and ages of particular people and their gender. And there is a voiceover, almost like a Siri voice, a female soothing voice, which says the name of a, of a particular person and then says, delete, delete. And that was repeated throughout and it was a really strong Im- projected image where you would see the name actually deleted out. And the, the concept of that is that that person would become an unperson. In other words, they could not exist in the system anymore. And Probably, more than likely, they went to Room 101. This was a really powerful concept or directorial concept because we could actually physically see the words, the, the, the names being slowly deleted off there on the screen. And that is a huge communication. It's gone. And we talk more about this in the podcast, which deals with technologies Absolutely. as well. Mm-hmm. Your head's probably exploding. I think so. My head's exploding too. Um, I can't encourage you enough to look at the pictures, to Mm. look at the study 